We're going a little bit topical tonight. We're taking a break uh, from Revelation. And, and I hear you sigh inwardly because you were looking forward to Revelation chapter 14. Uh, a fake trinity and two beasts were not enough for you. You could have lapped up more, but you'll have to wait. So let's now pray and ask for God's help. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that your word is enough, that your promises are true, your faithfulness is unsurpassed, that as we open your scriptures, we can hear your voice speaking to us and speaking to us all that we need to hear, whether rebuke, comfort, whether to be trained in righteousness so that we will be um, equipped for the calling uh, that you have for your church. We pray, will you speak to us now? Because you have promised through your spirit. Amen. How many of you um, walked here tonight? Walked? Okay. Only a few. Driven? Driven? Oh, okay. Yeah. Some of you floated. I don't know. There's no other means there. You didn't put your hand up, so I don't know. But as, as you drove, as you walked, you walked past many establishments. You perhaps walked past a pub. You walked past, uh, I don't know, a public restroom. Uh, you walk past a convenience shop, um, and I think many people would say any of those places is better than being in a church building. <laughs> uh, many people would say that. As a matter of fact, for some of us, when we come to a church building, we come with lots of different feelings and expectations, but many of them sometimes negative. Maybe because particularly if you're under 18 and you're here because your family want you to be here, perhaps you find it boring. Or, I don't know, there are people here that you don't want to talk to, but they always seem to find a way to come and talk to you. Maybe if you're a visitor and not yet a Christian, there's a lot of Christianese being spoken, lots of words you don't understand, or just theological words that you're not interested in. Maybe as you look around the building and you look at the people and the way they are dressed, you think this is just out of touch with the culture around us. Why would you want to be here? Why would you even care? The goal of tonight is that briefly, as we look at a few verses in um, the book of Acts and perhaps a few verses elsewhere, that you would want to ask, why would anybody not care? about this thing that is God's idea, the church. The church, as you know, because all of you who come to an evening service are keenies, so you know it's not the building, but the people that God has rescued. The people without whom you don't get to live out God's plan for the world, because he's called us to do that together. So let's open up to Acts chapter 2, and read it together. I put it on my slide so you can uh, look at it as the computer people help me. It's a great place to start. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So just a few things we want to learn about uh, the people that God has rescued, the church, the church learns. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is a church anyway? What is it? What is it? Um, You may or may not know um, that we don't get our word in the English language church from the same place uh, that is written here in the original language in which it was written, which was Greek. Um, I think we get it from either Old Norse or some other thing in the English language, um, some Germanic root. But the word used here is the word ekklesia, a Greek word that is composed of two words, ek meaning out of or from, and klesia comes from a Greek verb kaleo, to call. So those who are called out, called out of something. And like many biblical words, and I love this, It was a word that already existed and was used by pagans uh, for various reasons. But one of them was if you were to be called out from your house to a public place for a debate or an announcement or an assembly, well, you were called out. You were a gathering. And that word begins to be used in this book, the book of Acts, for Christians. But like this, by the time Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, 9, He says this, you were called by God out, you were called by God out of darkness into his wonderful light. That then describes the church. In Acts chapter 5, when things begin to fall apart because of Ananias and Sapphira's uh, desire to deceive God, it says, great fear seized the whole church, the whole group of people that now trust in Jesus. If you were to read the Gospel of John and put lots more pieces together, he says in chapter 1, verse 12, that anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus is now a child of God. It doesn't happen automatically. So now you're part of a new family, the Catholic Church. Catholic meaning universal. It's everywhere and it's invisible. Because just by looking at someone, unless they are of a particular Christian fashion of an age, you can't tell that they are Christian. I'm not going to tell you the fashion because it might offend some of you. But this is a group of people that belong to Jesus, invisible, universal, uh, comprised of people in the past, present, and future that trust Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. And that leads an author like Sam Albury to say, people don't enter a church The church enters a building. And wherever you go, whether this building burns down or not, if you trust in Jesus, you are the church. So we've answered our first question. What is the church? Here is what the church does. As we read that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, this is a learning church. Not just information, but devoted. Devoted. They want This group of people want to know better everything they can about the one who rescued them. And so you can imagine here the picture. Someone hears the apostles um, preaching the gospel. They believe, and immediately they go, I want to know more. Teach me more. 
The books aren't yet written, but the apostles are there, and they are hearing it and lapping it up and enjoying getting to know the God who rescues more. The church is still called to do that. And as we do that, we learn through preaching and teaching to become more like Jesus, the head of the family. It's a bit like this. Some of you are family together. I mean, you, you've, you've seen uh, this morning, if you were here, my sister-in-law was here, and someone immediately said, without knowing that she was my sister-in-law, that's Megan's sister. They look exactly alike. Well, there's something in the DNA of a family. But wait a minute. Um, as you know, we've adopted, other people have adopted. Something begins to happen that my child doesn't necessarily particularly look like me, although some people say they do. That's fantastic. My children, um, they've began to take on our mannerisms, for better or for worse. Maybe the way we walk and talk. They didn't used to pray. Now they know how to pray and they want to at the dinner table. Sometimes maybe to show off that they can. This is what we are like as we look to the Lord Jesus as the family. Together we become more like him. His mannerisms. <laughs> Not really. Everything about his character, we become more like him. And this is what the church learns to do, to be. This makes us different to any other club. Because if you join a golf club, it's because you like golf. When you don't like golf anymore, you don't pay for the club. Do you hang out there? No, because that would be weird. And you're not weird because you're here. So you're not weird. Maybe you are, but I wouldn't tell you. Clubs are brought, bring people together by their personal preference not us. Look at me. Look at you. We'd never be friends in a million years. And yet, because what unites us is that we want to learn from the very mouth of Jesus in his word, we can be together as the church that learns through preaching and teaching. And I'm going to say this. Um, there's lots of things that we need, and sometimes we, we uh, don't realize there's lots of things we don't need. Uh, if I said to you, do we need supermarkets? Um, depending on your generation, see, I got that immediately, the head nods. Ha, get in there. The younger generation would say, yes, where else would we get our Mars bars? Uh, those of you who are a little bit older, you go, I have an allotment. I can grow my own things. I can do this. Um, if, if there was an apocalypse, <laughs> those my age would just die out. <laughs> if I said to you, you need supermarkets? No, probably not really. You can live without. Do you need food, shelter, and clothing? you'd be more inclined to say, yes, the church is like that. Because Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.15, the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The rest of Walton, without the church, without the people that trust in Jesus, could not learn about him. So it's necessary that we learn before we can even think about out of our enjoyment Tell others. So we devote ourselves to studying, to preaching, to being discipled and discipling. And I ask, have many churches forgotten this? If we have forgotten it, then when we think about preaching or teaching or opening the Bible together, we go, I don't mind it. Don't mind it. It's like a favorite British phrase, isn't it? Guys, shall we do this or that? I don't mind. No, you must you have an opinion. You must mind. We feel very strongly 
that if this is the way the church is to be, then we devote ourselves and enjoy doing that to the Word of God because this is the Apostles' teaching written down for us. That changes the way I talk about being church together. There's no place on earth that you're going to go to, not least your family, that you're going to be around, no group of people, that you will not find something to criticize. There isn't, is there? Is there something in your family that you can find right now to think, I could criticize them for that? Some people look at each other at this point in time in the sermon. But as I read that I ought to devote myself to the teaching of God's word, I filter on a good day where my eyes are on Jesus, I filter any criticism with this question. Is it biblical? Is it coming from God's word? Or is it coming from a personal preference that Jesus might be calling me to give up? I wonder. That helps us to meet in the middle a lot more. So the church learns. The church is a learning church, but also a worshiping church. They devoted themselves, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Don't judge me. I like to watch weightlifting competitions. I probably will never participate in one of them. From time to time, I like to watch the odd boxing match or ultimate fighting championship match. And it's amazing. You, you, some of you, let me include you in because you feel alienated. Uh, the Bake Off. It's a competition. You can watch it. Okay? There we go. As I watch it, someone's going to do something like, I don't know, a snatch. They've got a barbell, and they're going to get it from here. And I mean, this dude from Georgia is lifting over 200 kilos. And he's getting this, and he's bringing it above his head. And then his face of great effort... You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, and all of his fat is jiggling and everything because the, the bigger weightlifters, they're sort of, they're big. They're really big. Um, and at the minute the strain moves from their face, they look at the judges because they want to hear lift, no lift. Did it count? Were their elbows fully extended or was all of that for nothing? But when they hear lift, you got it. You won. Immediately, there's a visceral reaction, isn't there? And you look at their faces, you, and they go, yeah, they do a somersault, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, just to, to bring you in again, um, it, you want to know who the star baker is on Bake Off. And it's just sort of avidly looking for the verdict. Um, and when they hear, oh, it's me, oh, I never expected it, because they're British. I never expected it in a million years. Oh, fantastic, you know? What are they doing? What are all those people doing? They are responding to news. They're waiting to hear something. When they hear it, it immediately transforms their face and their whole character, their whole demeanor. Worship is a response to the news, to the revelation of God, that the more you hear something of God, you go, yes, your face lights up. You go, that's my God. He's like this. I trust in Him. I belong to Him. You are filled with awe. You're here at the Lord's table sharing communion, thinking about the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're filled with awe, the breaking of bread. You're here in a, or on a Thursday afternoon or perhaps on a Wednesday evening or you're praying a, a prayer, a double or triplet, and you're just enjoying 
worshipping God with awe. You're singing and you're enthralled by the beauty of God in the words that you're singing and you're singing with awe. This is what the church does. Churches learn and as they learn, as we learn, we respond in worship. Churches fellowship. I wonder, you're already asking yourself, do I come to church building, to the church building as the church, with a heart to worship? Do I come with a heart to fellowship? I enjoyed my time at Bible college in York. It was fantastic. Most of you would have hated it because it was with 60 other Americans. And um, it was, I lived for the bulk of my time in a three-story um, flat with 15-plus guys. It's probably illegal, actually. I shouldn't say it out loud. Sorry. 15 other guys. A bit more, a bit more, actually. I can't remember quite. Two kitchens, two bathrooms. 15-plus guys. Not women. They wash, they clean. The guys, they miss. Anyway. I wanted to, I didn't know how to cook anything. I wanted to make some pasta sauce, found the blender, um, thought what is cheap that I can use to make the sauce, sardines, put sardines in the blender, was hated. Because you can't clean that off. Community, close together, lovely. Sharing bathrooms together, challenging. <laughs> sharing, sharing in general can be really hard work. Would you like to experience that kind of community? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. But it grew me. Here is a key word in this passage, the word fellowship, that comes from a Greek word, kinonia. And that word is variously translated in different uh, uh, verses in the Scriptures as partnership, fellowship, sharing in, participation in, our unity in Christ means that we share something now spiritually deeper than any two people who don't know the Lord Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, for example, when he's speaking um, uh, to the Corinthians, he says, My dear friends, run away from idolatry. Um, verse 16 uh, of 1 Corinthians 10, Is not the cup... Remember, we talked about how we worship through the Lord's table. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. There's something about you and I, if we trust in Jesus... That regardless of our preferences, the way we dress, what we like to do, our futures, our careers or occupations, our personalities. We are united to the Lord Jesus Christ and we have a quality of relationship with him that beats anything else that could unite us. We share in his life. We are alive because of him. So when we devote ourselves to fellowship, we devote ourselves to knowing and living out the fact that this is what we have in common. 
our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why we spend any time together, because of our Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 44 and 45 say, they had everything in common. They sold stuff. Maybe that could have been their retirement fund. Maybe that could have been their holiday money. They sold stuff to sacrifice it for others because they are one in Christ. You are my family. They did it. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Some of you know me. I've been in what here? About four years, something like that. Um, how would you like, over the next week, see me every day? Yeah, your laughter says <laughs> there was some dark, sinful thought in your heart right now. Verse 46 and 47. Every day these people met together, ate together, in and out of each other's homes. They took very seriously Jesus' challenge in John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know, you are my students, my disciples, you belong to me, if you love one another. And so, they looked at the cross of Jesus, they looked at the empty tomb, and that eclipsed any bitterness they had with each other, any disagreements they had with each other, because they were looking at the Lord Jesus. So here's a challenge for me and for you. If we don't learn and worship from here, if we move away from here, do you know what's going to happen? More than caring about what I just said in, from the Scriptures, we're going to care about whether the music is the way we like it, whether the lighting is dim enough or moody enough. We will care more about whether the coffee is ground or freeze-dried, whether the biscuits are of a superior quality at the tables, whether the layout of the room is what I like or not. Can you see how that can begin to happen? If we move away from here and the things that are certain and having the scripture as our filter and loving one another and meeting in the middle as we look at Christ, we will care more about those things, we will be more bitter about any of those things, then we will enjoy the blessing of fellowship in looking at each other and seeing someone for whom Christ died and therefore someone whom I love. We could say much more about this, but my prayer and my hope is that as we have this sharing, this partnership, we share weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. We share victories, we share losses, we share difficulties, we share hope, we share repentance. And as other people from Walton come into the church building, they would come and see our marriages full of forgiveness. They would come and see our single people finding their identity and completeness in Jesus and not in romantic relationships. They would see our teenagers that honor their parents. Wonder of wonders. They would see much more that we don't have time to say. They would see so much that if we suddenly disappeared, they would miss us. Do you think? You don't seem to think so. I think so. Churches do all of that and they share the gospel. So we've gone from learning to being transformed by that and worshiping, to fellowship because we continue to do that and we do that together and we share in the life of Jesus. And if we do all these, some people might say, that's true for you but not for me. 
Some people might say, I don't mind you being a Christian. But the minute you say, you must step into this life. You must also be called out of darkness into this wonderful light. Not everybody might like us. But if we do that, verse 47 might take place. Praising God, they went. Enjoying the favor of all the people. I think that kind of happens. People like us. People like Walton Church. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Our prayer is that as we do all of that and enjoy fellowship together and begin to share the gospel, that the Lord will do his wonderful work and add people to our family. That's our prayer. There was a very short and quick point, as it is very short and quick, mentioned in verse 47. But let me add one final one. If you look at the people around you, and if you think about all the other Christians that you know, think about this question. You know I'm rich, so I'm going to announce right now I have for you a ticket to any destination that you desire. Just fantasize about that for a minute, okay? Sometimes I like to do that. And then the Lord Jesus brings me down to earth, like Edwina did this morning in the service. That was fantastic. Um, I, have to, I have to give this ticket to you uh, with a right to holidays expenses paid. You can take whoever you want However many people you want, who do you take? Who are you going to take? Just simmer on that for a minute in your mind. All expenses paid. It's free. Who am I going to take? Did anybody say, my church? In their minds? Isn't that amazing? Maybe not. But these are the people you're going to spend eternity with, whether you like it or not. But by that time, your eyes and theirs will be so full of Jesus that any differences you have now, you will simply enjoy worshiping Jesus together with them. And that's what I wanted to finish as we briefly think about the church. We look forward to this day as we do all those things. We look forward to this. After this I look, John says in Revelation 7, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language, accent, whether they were a Scouser or from Yorkshire, whether they were from Brazil or whether they were a Southerner. Before the throne and before the Lamb, here's what they cried in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God. He's the only one who saves, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As the Lord was adding those who were being saved, they could look forward to this time, to this day, when all of it would be accomplished, all of, all of it would be finished in the new heavens and new earth, and we will enjoy him forever. If this is where we're going, why would you not care about church? Why would you not care about the people of God? Only if you've forgotten these truths or you've never known them. That's the only reason Anybody could be a part of our fellowship here and feel lonely that they are not sharing intimate life with others, 
Maybe they haven't opened themselves up. Maybe we haven't embraced them. Let's remember these truths. That's the only reason someone could come to a church and then hop out of it. Because we've forgotten these truths. So let me now pray for us before we have a time to chat. Pray that we have this as our job description. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. If you're the church, this is your job description. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. When you see the church, what do you do? Encourage? After we finish this, you talk to other people and it's coffee time or whatever, what do you do? Encourage them. When you're discouraged, they encourage you. And that way, we spur one another on because we remember all of these things, because we get over ourselves and our own uh, pet hates and so on, and we look to Jesus who loved us despite our sin. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, will you forgive us for losing sight of your design and plan for the church, for getting hung up sometimes on our differences and forgetting that if we devote ourselves to learning and worshiping and fellowship and evangelism and reminding ourselves that we will be forever before your throne worshiping you, we forget. Please, will you help us now? You will have awakened lots of emotions and feelings in our heart. You will know the sinful thoughts we have, the lack of patience we have. You know us, and yet you love us. Bond us, bind us together, all the more by your Spirit. Let us be a community that is centered around you. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is your promise for the church, for us to be united around you. Amen.